Episode 21, the other ham radio podcast. It's the accidental episode. Lots of fun coming up. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Wow, it's so hard to believe you've stuck it out through 21 episodes of the other ham radio podcast, Photime, and I genuinely appreciate you, man, being a part of what we're doing here and continuing to listen, so we'll continue to make these great shows for you. This is number 21, and it is sponsored by our friends at Main Trading Company. You can find them online at mtcradio.com. They just came off uh, a big sale for Kenwood products. I'm not sure when you're hearing this and regarding the big sale, but they had some great deals. And if you're interested in some Kenwood gear, or any gear for that matter, by the way, make sure you check them out. Give Richard or Christy a call. You can find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, I'm Kale, and I've been here for 21 episodes, at least introducing them. I haven't hosted them all. Thank you, Jeremy, for sticking it out a couple of times. He's got another one coming up in a few weeks. But uh, and speaking of him and George, our buddy from California, we're going to come in. We're going to talk about some shopping lists for amateur radio operators, especially, of course, the new guy or the folks interested in getting into the hobby with maybe a little bit more than just a $35 walkie-talkie. Now, back after 17 finished, it was uh, it was right after Christmas, and it was a very late night on the East Coast, and we just kind of continued the conversation on Skype following the episode number 17 that we had recorded. Thankfully, I still had the recorder running, and this is what you get. Now, I'm just going to dump you right into the conversation. There's no real way to ease into this. So I hope you enjoy it. This is the follow-up to that. We call it the accidental episode. It winds up being pretty funny and full of some pretty good information as well. I hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks again for listening. I'll be back in a few minutes. I think eventually either one of those or both of those would, would probably be good. Um, one, one thing that kind of I thought about, I think maybe when you were saying something, Jeremy, it, that might be um, you can also look at it like, okay, you're – you're setting up your station first time. How do you do it kind of on the cheap? You know, because a lot of times you kind of get overloaded with all the, all this crap you have to buy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in, in a lot of people are looking at it like, well, you know, I don't really want to spend like, holy cow, that much money. Um, but what do I really need? And what, and what is really kind of a waste of money? I mean, you could buy crap and you really will be making a mistake. So in the spirit of, you know, don't, don't buy something too crappy that you want to, that's not going to give you any enjoyment, but anyway, so that's one, one other kind of theme might be useful. Uh, you know, building antennas is kind of like along those lines. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And, and with our economy in the shape that it's still in, or at least mine is, you know, I'll tell you, uh, here's a, here's a something else that I found. We tell new hams all the time. You know, people ask like, well, should I buy this $700 radio or that $800 radio? And I'm, they're agonizing over it all. And, <laughs> oh, maybe the $1,200. But, God, that, I don't know if I'll forget it. I'm not going to buy it. And I usually come back to them and say, you know what? Here's a list of five radios. Go buy one used on eBay. 
It's going to cost you 350 bucks. The radio was made 24 years ago. It'll be perfectly – assuming it's not a dud, it'll be perfectly fine. You'll love it, and in two years, then you'll really know what you really want to spend your money on, and you'll have a backup radio, or you could sell it or have a field day radio. So there's, you know, there's nothing wrong in, you know, like a, a, a fella here in our club sold a, a TS430, which is about a 25 year old radio. It's a great radio. It's it, it was like 300 bucks. Hmm. Holy cow! Yeah, um, that's every bit as good as a radio you'd spend about eight nine hundred bucks for today. Um, and and he'll get every penny out of it when he sells it in two years. Yeah, especially it, it's worth every penny, but especially because you don't know the difference using it versus uh, an IC seven thousand or whatever. It, you're, you're ex- just exactly. To so with. that's and that this is really an essential point. So what you don't want is you don't want to spend a hundred dollars on the piece of crap because that'll give you a bad experience. You want to spend enough to get a good experience, mm-hmm. but you really don't appreciate you know you don't really appreciate the better radios. Until you get to that point where you kind of know what you're doing, it's like anything else. I mean, if I went to go buy a, a pair of skis, I couldn't tell a difference between two hundred dollar skis and two thousand. They make two thousand dollar skis, probably. I couldn't tell the difference. They both look the same to me, so it'd be a total waste for me. Um, but anyway, I and you don't have to worry about. It. I'm just buying something crummy. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna buy something good enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, and actually to that point, like I I never recommend. A KX3 to a new ham. No, <laughs> no. Because because you know, like I remember no. my my first HF radio was an ICOM IC71 or IC7000, and I bought it because I agonized over the filtering, and I had the radio for six months, and even though it had a better receiver, and it, it the filtering was phenomenal, I ended up getting rid of it at a loss to pick up a Yaesu 897 because that that ham fisted monkey simple turn the big knob turn mm-hmm. the volume up and you know the clarifier and whatnot that was really all i was ready as an operator to use mm-hmm. you know i i don't need something that's capable of getting a negative 145 dbm sensitivity you know well and to your point about the kx3 <clears throat> it's 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 a sports car it's not a pleasure to use it at first because it's really kind of complicated, surprisingly complicated freaking radio to use. And it's overwhelming and it, it's, it, it's the wrong radio for a new guy. You know, actually th- this is kind of, maybe it's instead of talking about building something on the cheap, maybe it's what do we wish we would have known when uh, we were starting? Hey, that's, that's good. I'm recording, and I think this is great. Oh, I, I, I yeah, I've been recording the whole time too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, when, when I started, very plainly, I could afford a walkie-talkie, so that's what I bought, and it, it, it's all I had for six months. And as I, as I grew into the hobby, and I, I, I tested and got my general, I knew that I wanted something that I could use in the most simplistic form. And that's what I went and searched for. And I stumbled into, and you know, I did a lot of research. We all, who doesn't do research anymore on something? You know, I know a couple of people and I won't mention their names on the podcast. They probably don't listen anyway, but I found for me personally, for an HF rig, the Kenwood TS 50 was it. It was like operating 
a television remote. You know, the volume button's there. The squelch button is there. You choose your three different or four different power settings there. And it's exactly what I needed at that time to the point that it really spoiled me being so easy to use. Now, of course, it didn't have all the big filtering and all of that. And, and that when I actually got one of those radios that did, it confused me because I was like, well, what do I need that? I've never had that before, you know. <laughs> but for me, the TS-50 was just a great rig to have. Now, granted, you can buy a brand new ICOM IC718 for what I paid for my 15 or 20-year-old Kenwood TS-50. And, and it's very simple to use, too. But I wanted something small form factor because I was going to put it in a box. I wanted full power because I didn't want to fight with QRP as a new ham radio operator, you know, a new HF operator. And the TS-50 fit my needs perfectly. They work for me. Still love the radio. I don't think I'll yeah, ever I, sell it. I think having a – I bet you kind of go back and forth, too, because you you can you can then go get a fancier radio and, and then appreciate – the features and the quality of that fancier radio, but I guarantee at some point you're going to go back and use the 50, and it's going to be comfortable. Um, and, and you know that's probably the radio you'll take to the field um, because it is portable. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, it, it's it doesn't have like a power sipping feature or anything like that. But for 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 having it in a box and taking it out here and putting it on the patio and, and connecting it to an antenna in the tree. On July the 4th, I sat there on July the 4th and made all the contacts I could stand to try to keep up with. And it just works. And that's like a lot of people like the 7200 by ICOM. A lot of people like the Yesu. Uh, just like you mentioned, Jeremy, the, the 897, the 857, the 817s. Uh, there's a lot of great rigs. George, you mentioned the old 430 or 440 by Kenwood, 25-year-old radio. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to pay 350 bucks for it, but you'll sell it for $350 in two years if you want to as well. Yeah, if those radios, There's, you know, that's a vintage of radio where they were perfectly fine at the time, and they're still perfectly fine today. I mean, unless you get a radio that's defective, you know, that's broken in some way, those are great radios. Um, they they hold the resale value, and there's there's Yesus and there's Kenwoods, and, and there's ICOMs that are all... All three of those manufacturers made really good gear back then. That's that's still perfectly usable today. Um, so I, I think that's you know one piece of advice I'd give to a new ham is uh, is don't overthink trying to make the the big radio purchase too early. Give yourself time. Buy yourself an inexpensive used radio from a buddy or off of eBay. Uh, and get used to it, and then you can really appreciate which features you would want. That's that's number one. Number two is uh, you said uh, don't do QRP. I would. I love QRP. I built a lot of QRP radios. I like operating on the trail QRP. I would not buy a QRP radio as my only radio because it's it's it just takes more skill and effort, and and it's more frustrating um, than having a hundred watt radio. It just it just is. And the third thing that I would do, and um, I'm a little surprised I'd even say this today, but I would I would absolutely put in the effort to learn CW. Um, I concur. And, and, you know, and absolutely. I say that it, 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 to, to me, I love CW. It doesn't love me much, but <laughs> I, I think CW is awesome because with 
with little power, you can work the world. Um, when the band conditions are crummy and you can't hear anything on sideband, you'll hear DX on CW. Um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful mode. Um, and, and knowing it, is, it, it's it's great. So I, I would absolutely um, learn CW. And there's nothing wrong with decoding using a computer. <laughs> I've been known to do that. Um, but I, I, I think that, that's, that those would be my three things that I would – suggest to a new ham i, I don't i don't know cw uh i know the letter k uh but um that's as far as i've gotten but it's something that i that i long to learn and for no other reason just to know it you know if for no other reason just to put it in the toolbox of your mind and um be able to to bang it out if you ever needed to. Well, you know, way back when, when I got my first ticket, of course, you had to know CW. So I got my novice ticket, and you had to know five words a minute. And copying code at five words a minute is almost too slow. Um, now, you would drive people crazy if you send it five words a minute. I mean, that's really too slow. But you could learn it. I mean, everybody had to learn it to get a ticket at one yeah. point. Um, and it's just a matter of taking the time to do it. I think a lot of people look at it like, you know, why do I really need to do that? It's just easier to talk. And it's true. And you've got digital modes like PSK and others that are just real. They're like the equivalent of CW from a signal-to-noise point of view. PSK31 is an awesome mode. Um, oh, that's maybe my fourth recommendation, by the way, is uh, set up for PSK31. It's a lot of fun, keyboard to keyboard. Uh, you can copy signals down into the noise. It's it's really incredible. What what would you do, Jeremy? What would you if you had some new ham? You're going to give him some new tips. Oh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll try to break mine apart in. To uh, I'll start off with VHF UHF. I think one of the smartest things I did, and I recommend for most people, I. As a new ham, I was dead set on getting an HT because an HT is a lot less expensive than a mobile. And you think, well, I'm out a couple hundred bucks versus you know four or five hundred bucks if I don't like this. Um, and I was lucky. I mean, I, I got my ticket in Seattle, Washington. I mean, I could hit 20 repeaters all day long on a tenth of a watt, um, you know, with with the HT antenna. So uh, it worked for me. And the the, the biggest lesson that I learned at first was the importance of listening um, to try to understand the tempo and to understand the things people talked about and to understand the IDing requirements. Because even though you just passed a test, I, I'm, I'm, it, maybe not everybody's this way, but at least me, I learned best from practical experience. Um, so I started with an FT60. It is a no-frills radio, and it is absolute. I, I have personally sold a hundred of FT60s for HRO over the years when I'm standing there and that new guy walks in and I'm like, this is your radio because number one, uh, it's inexpensive. They're now to be competitive with the Chinese radios, about $150. You can buy a double a pack for them that allows them to transmit at the full five Watts. They're made out of a nice solid, um, you know, metal case. And the best part is, is even as you grow in the hobby, you're never going to get rid of that radio. That radio will go in a backpack or it will go in your truck or it will go somewhere um, where it can still be used. And and so I'm, I'm a big fan of that Yesu um, FT60. So that's that's probably lesson number one. Um, from an HF perspective, uh, I, I think I've told this story before, but I'm, I'm going to tell it again. 
my very first HF radio, and this was actually even before I had my general ticket, um, I was just really enthusiastic. And when I lived in Seattle, I used to go up on the roof of my building and set up a, a just a listening antenna and tune around the bands and would love hearing all this stuff. But my first HF radio was an ICOM IC7000. And I was really agonizing over do I buy a 7000 or do I buy like a Yaesu 897, 857? And the thing that made me want the ICOM um, was the, 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 the DSP IF filtering, the intermediate frequency filtering, which is better than audio filtering um, for a myriad of reasons. And honestly, if you're listening to me say this and you don't know what I'm talking about, you do not need an IC7000. <laughs> We're just going to start there. But I got the radio and I quickly realized this radio has 400 settings that, okay, I get how to turn the VFO. I can change the modes, you know, USB, LSB, CW. But I don't really know what these filters actually do. I don't know. At that time, I didn't even know what QRM was. And so I didn't understand how to use these as tools in a toolbox to dig out a signal. Um, I, I ultimately got rid of the radio, even though I got it for a great price from a ham who was just, you know, downsizing and moving. I mean, the radio was still new in box and had never been used. And I, I got a fantastic price. I ended up selling it and going with uh, a, a, a far less complicated, a far less sophisticated Yesu, um, just and, and it was so easy a monkey could use it. All, there were knobs, and you just turn knobs. And the, the lesson there is that, kind of like what George said, find something that you can learn on. And before IF shift or whatever, understand what there is out there. Understand the types of noise you're going to run into. Understand what it's like to hear a pileup long before you decide you need these things. And, and if you are buying an older radio, um, like a TS-50 or whatever, the good news is you're going to hang on to it for a year. If you decide you want to move on, you're going to be able to sell it. And, and like George said, you're going to be able to get your money back out of it. Um, or worst case scenario, it becomes a backup radio. Um, the last lesson I learned is I, I have mostly, unfortunately, over the last five, well, since I've been a ham, I have only lived in apartments. Um, before I was a ham, I, I owned a house, and I had an attic that I could have put a dipole up in and been very happy, uh, even though I lived in an antenna-restricted neighborhood. Um, but the last thing I would tell you is that no matter what your situation is, you would be surprised what you can do to get on the air. And I won't say it's easy, but I will say that the first time that you make a contact from your home or where you live, and it's a place that is challenging to put up an antenna, like you can't just go out and erect a 200-foot tower with a Mosley tri-band on the top. I mean, you literally have an 800-square-foot apartment that's in the interior of a building. You know, you don't even have a balcony or, or something. Um, but I will tell you that there are smart people who have figured out how to overcome this. And the first time that you can make a contact that you had to really work for, those are the best contacts <laughs> that, that you will ever make. And that, you know, George made the comment that he doesn't recommend people go QRP. And I, I generally agree with that. Um, I, I, after I got my general, I, I bought a QRP radio because I just wanted a small portable radio. And I found that I enjoyed QRP operation far more than, and for those who don't know, QRP is low power operation, five watts generally or less. Although I think some of us with KX3s are trying to get that turned into 10 watts or less. Um, 
But we, uh, the contacts I made via QRP were just so more valuable to me than any of the contacts I made with 100 watts with, with traditional radio because I had to fight for those. I really earned it. I, had to, I, I started optimizing my equipment to be as efficient as possible. I cared about coax you know, quality and runs. I cared about that I wanted an antenna that was naturally tuned. I didn't want to rely on a tuner and take a 13% you know, radiating efficiency hit. Um, and so, you know, if, if you like the science side of this, QRP is a great way to really learn more about the engineering of antenna and radios. Um, and QRP is also a great excuse to learn CW because just the way the brain processes a CW signal out of the noise versus human voice, um, maybe George or Kale can actually quote numbers, but I mean, there's a huge advantage that, you know, they say like one watt of CW is worth 50 watts of sideband or something like that. Oh, it's a ridiculous! It's a ridiculous com- comparison. I don't have it in front of me, but you're correct. I mean, it's day and nighttime. And that's that's one of the reasons why I said you know learn CW because a lot of us you know, live in um, antenna restricted areas, or maybe we're just traveling and we want to take that little portable radio. But you know, running five watts in sideband uh, on a piece of wire in a tree is is hard. Um, CW is much easier, and PSK is much easier. Um, you you know, 20 meters with a literally a wire shoved in a tree, you could work across the country pretty easily on uh, you know five watts on PSK. So I, I would completely agree with the fun of of doing that kind of uh, operating. But you know, it's like anything else; you have to really think about it. it you you can't just um, throw some gear together and hope it works when you're starting out at kind of a disadvantage. You've got to really think it through, and it. Um, it does require a little bit more effort and a little more forethought um, to try to make it work. You know, guys, talking about purchasing gear, I hear a lot. I hear a lot of people tell a new amateur or even someone coming in and saying, I'm going to test next month and I want to buy something. And that's just the society. That's who we are. We all just want to buy something, right? And uh, I, I cannot count how many times I hear the buy once, cry once argument. Um, and I just think that that, in Kel's personal opinion, I don't think that may be the best direction to give somebody who's looking to come in to a hobby that they they think they want to be involved in. But is it something that's really worth tying up twelve, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars $2,000 plus of your family's finances? To me, I, I'm just not that guy that's going to say buy once, cry once. No, I, I don't think uh, – you know, if you've got plenty of money and it doesn't matter if you spend a couple grand on a radio and you don't like it tomorrow, then sure, what the heck. But for most of us, if you're going to spend 1000 or $2,000 on a radio, you're going to want to place a bet and get it right. Um, and I think if you, if you buy that radio too early – you may not buy the radio you really ultimately want to have. Um, and that's why I think you know your best bet, and this is hard for people to swallow, your best bet is to, to buy an a older piece of used equipment and, and get to know it first. And, and I guess the way to kind of get over this is you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I really want a brand new shiny radio, and uh, I don't want some old piece of gear that someone else had. And um, – I would look at it this way. I would say, you know what? Prepare yourself to buy the radio you really want to have six months or a year from now. 
But today, you have no idea what that radio is. You could look at the catalogs and the ads and go to the store, but I guarantee you will not – if you wait a year, you would not pick the same radio. You'll be a much smarter buyer if you wait. Absolutely. And in the meantime, get something – get anything that's a good, solid, used radio and get on the air. A basic radio, like both of you guys are saying, a basic radio is better than a fancy one to start with because once you have that experience, then you'll know what to look for. So when you go to get that fancier radio, you'll look at that and like I bought a fancy radio that had a tracking notch filter. So what a notch filter does is it if you listen on HF and you hear a carrier, you hear this tone, a notch filter will let you – basically eliminate that noise. So it's got a very steep curve. You just turn the knob and it lands on the frequency and takes it out of the audio passband. Well, I, I didn't have a notch filter for years. And and I, I bought a radio that not only had a notch filter, it had a it had an automatic notch filter, which means you press the button and it finds the signal and eliminates it. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't even have to turn the knob. And I thought, oh my God, this is a miracle. And I never would have appreciated that as much if you hadn't had, had to do it. that radio. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? And I wouldn't even known what it's for. I mean, you know, but, you know, spending a year with the, you know, with the older radio without it, you go, man, I wish there was a way to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> well, well, let me you know, ask you. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, I was going to say, I, I'll add to that, that, uh, for instance, the ASU 817, there's no, uh, there's no DSP filtering. There's no audio DSP or IF DSP. So what you basically have is an IF shift and you can kind of, you know, move the passband around. And what you learn is that's actually pretty effective if you're not on field day. I mean, on field day where everybody's fighting to get, you know, even a little bit of bandwidth, that's not going to be as effective. But oftentimes it's quite effective, um, you know, in, in just trying to pick out a slightly weak signal that you wouldn't otherwise hear. But I, I actually, George, I want to challenge you with a question because you – I'll admit this in front of all of our listeners. You just described me, the guy who went out and bought you know, a high-end radio who ultimately was wrong about what he wanted. And the reason I did that is generally I hate buying used stuff, and I really hate mm -hmm. buying used electronics. And the, the with a radio, because you basically have a device that if you're not paying attention and plug in the wrong wire, it goes boom and the magic smoke comes out. Do you have any tips for folks on how to safely buy a used HF radio? Oh boy, that's a good question. I, you know, buying anything used is always, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a risk. Um, the best thing you could do, I think, is to buy a radio from friends um, in the local ham club because you know the people. Um, they're not going to take advantage of you, right? So uh, that's always that's always a good thing to look for. Um, I've bought several radios on eBay, um, and, and I must tell you, I have um, I've never bought a radio from someone on eBay where I got taken advantage of. Uh, I felt that they were always very fair, um, and you can kind of tell, you know, when you look at the ad, uh, if there's a story and who's selling it and everything, uh, or if you talk to the guy on the phone. Um, I, I'd say, you know, nine. 10 out of 10 times, you know, you're going to be pretty safe um, doing that. But, you know, there's always the caveat emptor, you know, that bad things could happen. But if, if you could find something local, I mean, if there's a way to try it first, um, some of the radio stores sell used equipment. Um, 
that's always a you know an option because you can always take it back. Well, hopefully, if it's if it's not an old piece of gear, um, if you can buy it local, even if you don't know the person, and uh, check it out. Have a buddy in the local ham club check it out for you. I think that'd be that'd be a good thing to do. But you know, it's always a little bit of a risk buying something used. Can you think of any other tips? We're gonna stop real quick and uh, take our breath. And I got to give a shout out to somebody, man. David Kilo, Juliet Six, Lima Echo Oscar. He has been walking with me hand in hand to get this APRS thing figured out down here at the farm. So, David, I just had to call you out on the show and tell you thanks, man. Also, I got some emails in the last few weeks since the last episode. I want to say thanks for uh, Matt. Thanks for your note. Kilo Golf 4. Mary Yankee, Mary Yankee Delta and Gary November 8 Alpha Yankee Yankee. Thank you both for listening, contacting, let me know that you're enjoying the show for your ideas and whatnot. Uh, I appreciate you reaching out and getting getting in touch with us here at the show. Back to the accidental episode. This is number 21. It's the Other Ham Radio Podcast. Happy New Year from Maine Trading Company. Have you checked out the website lately? Do it today. MTCRadio.com. Yes, we love ham radio, but we love electronics in general, and we've got lots of it on the website. Also, don't forget to check the used gear page. Lots of things coming and going every day. Main Trading Company, where we sell Kenwood, Icom, and Alinko ham radios. We love the hobby and we love faux time. Visit our website today, mtcradio.com. The TS50 I bought, I purchased from a gentleman from swap.qth.com. And qth.com is a really nice website and they've got a really, really strong um, classifieds area there. Most of my gear has come from there. Um, mm. And the now, <clears throat> excuse me, the the HF rig my wife bought for me last year for my birthday, uh, the Kenwood TS850, purchased from one of my Elmers who he purchased. So I'm like the he purchased from the original owner. I'm the third owner, and it, it's a cherry piece of equipment, and it's just gorgeous. Uh, but th- this is where going back into the history of the Photon Podcast, we keep coming back to this point over and over and over and over. It's the local club. Now, it doesn't mean that your local club's not going to be a, full of a bunch of tools, but it means that it could very well be a great place for you to locate some pre-owned gear. But uh, used gear, especially HF gear, used gear is, is really a great place to start. Now, if I could, I want to go back to Jeremy real quick because I know that we've talked about uh, we've talked about a shopping list. And Jeremy started this with what every amateur, new amateur radio operator thinks they have to have. It's the handy talkie, the walkie talkie. It's what everybody wants to buy first. And after about a year or two, you realize you very seldomly ever use them. Um, And when you do, you want it to work. So Jeremy recommended for his shopping list, the number one HT to purchase is the FT60. And, And that's got to be the industry standard reply for a very well-built lasting type of piece of equipment um and i I don't own one i've used them and i really like them uh i've got more than i realized regarding uh the chinese walkie-talkies handy talkies um didn't really i didn't realize i had so many uh and i i very very rarely use any of them this which is the funniest part of it all um 
But I wouldn't discourage someone from buying one of those. But at the same time, I'm not going to stand on top of the hood of my truck and scream at people to go spend 35 bucks and buy a walkie-talkie. If that's all you can afford to buy, and that's your gateway into the hobby, then so be it. If you can spend the extra money to get the product that is a very well-built radio, F-260, again, is the answer. I just want to bring that up because... You know, people listen, the buy once, cry once crowd or, or whatever, you know, they want to know what the experts in air quotation marks would say to buy. And and you always hear people go back to the FT-60. Well, and I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because I, 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 I want to disagree is not the right word, but I, I, I do want to say that. You know, you made the comment that a lot of people buy HTs and they don't really spend the most time using them. But I, it kind of think depends where you live. Like having lived in some good sized metropolitan areas, I know people that the only radio they ever have had is an HT, and that yeah. allows them to get to the repeaters they want, and that's great. I know a lot of other people that live out in the middle of say nowhere, Oklahoma, where that HT is not going to be as effective. Their phones don't even work out there. They really don't. They don't even have phones in their houses in some places in Oklahoma, I hear. <laughs> Inside joke. Sorry, George. <laughs> Gerald knows we're talking about him. That's okay. Well, you, you bring up a good point, Jeremy. And it, it's, you know, it's it's almost like listening to you talk about living in an apartment and you can't have an antenna. I live on a 33-acre farm. Now, that's not even really big. But... I can do anything I want to regarding antennas. If I could afford to do what I want, it'd be a whole lot different story. But the fact of the matter is, it's hard for me to think about living in an apartment inside with, like you said, on the interior with even no exterior windows or a balcony. I couldn't imagine that. Uh, so I have to back up sometimes and think that, hey, not everybody lives in rural America. But you're right. Um, and and, I, and I'll, I'll take my statement back. Uh, thank you for clarifying that for me. Uh, just because I don't use one doesn't mean everybody doesn't. Uh, and the majority of my time on the repeaters is spent when I'm in the vehicle. And since I live 30 minutes from town, you know, I get 30 minutes of drive and talk time. So, George, uh, I know you're a big fan of your, your Kenwood walkie-talkies and even your Oshin Chinese walkie-talkies. Um, your, your shopping list for a walkie-talkie, what's it going to be? Uh, you know, actually, I, I have a FT. I have to admit, I have an FT sixty. <laughs> I feel so, so less. I don't have a KX three, and I don't have an FT sixty. I'm just, I'm out in left field, man. <laughs> you you, you get, get with the program, man. So the the thing I liked about the FT sixty is, uh, as you mentioned, Jeremy, it's it's really well built. Um, I I bought it to take to the repeater sites. If I knock it off the cabinet and it hits the floor, I think it's still going to work pretty well. So uh, I got it because it's a pretty robust little radio. Uh, I, I think it's a, in the spectrum of radios, it's a good, solid, middle-of-the-road radio. Um, when I wanted something cheaper uh, at the time, cheaper, uh, I got the, uh, the Oshan uh, UV3, uh, which is very similar in functionality, but it's all plastic. Um, but it was you know two-thirds the price and I think performs electrically uh, pretty much as well from what I can see. Um, but then going kind of upscale, the, the one thing I would look at um, beyond that is is having a real dual VFO. Uh, here in the Bay Area, we have lots of repeaters. There's a lot of activity, and I like listening to uh, two 
repeater frequencies at one time, um, usually not busy at the same time, but uh, I'll put it on two different repeater channels. So having a dual uh, VFO is very nice. And the Oshan has the ability to toggle between two frequencies, but it won't let you hear two at the same time. And the FT60 is a single VFO. So um, so my pick uh, would be the uh, Kenwood uh, THF6A, which is smaller than the other ones and um, is a super radio. It has excellent transmit audio, dual receive, uh, very easy to program. I found um, the Kenwood VHF radios, in my opinion, are the easiest to use. Easier than ICOMs, easier than Yesus. Uh, the menu system is very straightforward. I find them very straightforward radios. Uh, so that that'd be my pick for a little bit more expensive radio. They used to be over three hundred bucks, and I think they're less. Wow. I think there's the pricing pressure is bringing them down below three hundred dollars these days. It, it is really a great time for the consumer and the hobby. I mean, when you can buy a freaking walkie-talkie for thirty-five dollars, that'll work on amateur radio. Oh, hey, <laughs> who would have I ever thought? I, I, so okay, one better. I I I bought um, a Bofang eight eight eight. It's a sixteen-channel radio. Yeah, the eighteen-dollar one. Yeah, eight, well, eighteen dollars. <laughs> then a buddy of mine, yes, UHF only. Then a buddy of mine came back and said, "Ha ha, I got one for sixteen fifty. <laughs> so. So I said I'm going to return mine, but but even that thing works pretty well. Uh, now I would, you know, it's fun. I wouldn't get it as my first radio because you really want a keyboard programmable radio. Yeah. But but man, for a spare, um, it's it's amazing what you can get for nothing. I mean, that's I can't believe they can make these things. And, and where you live, I mean, UHF is king for who you want to talk to. There's Jeremy. tons of repeaters. Yeah, Jeremy, if you were uh, if you were starting out and wanted to buy a single band VHF radio, where would you go? What would you get? So let me ask: Can we take a short break? Because I yeah. really have to go tinkle. <laughs> I would leave that in. I think yeah, so. I'm gonna. To- I would totally leave that in. We're gonna. We're, go, gonna I- we're gonna go to George now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go back to George. <laughs> George, all right. Uh, you're excused, Jeremy. Uh, George, while you're um, while we're waiting for Jeremy to come back, tell us if you were to buy single band, a single band VHF, okay, or UHF, I guess because of of your needs. That may be a little different. But if you're gonna buy a single band rig, where would you start? What would you buy? A mobile rig or HT? A uh, a mobile rig. Yeah, boy, you know, I would never buy a single band mobile radio. To be perfectly honest, because all of uh, not all, most of our repeaters here are UHF. Um, we've got one two meter repeater. Uh, having two meters is really handy because there's a lot of systems on two meters. So honestly, I I I, I don't shop for single band radio. Um, having said that. Um, some friends have the uh, Yesu, I want to say FT-1900, something like that. Yep, yep, yep. Does that sound familiar? It is. That's a very uh, nice radio. That would be the one I would recommend as well. I, I've not used it, but I, I've, I've seen it at the stores, and they, they're they really happy with it. Um, and I, I don't think those are – I mean, the two-meter single-band radios are very reasonably priced. Yeah, I mean, you, know? you can find that one on sale sometimes for a buck twenty, buck twenty-five. Oh, that's – that's an unbelievable radio for that amount of money. Yeah, that is. that. That's a no-compromise radio for that much money. That's a deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, going back real quickly, 
uh, and, and we'll, we'll we'll get into a dual band radio here in just a moment. But you'll hear a lot of people say, "I want to buy a single band VHF radio," and and there's a there's a a really smart group of thought that comes in and says, "Hey, if you'll just spend a little bit more, you can get a dual band because you're probably going to want it before this is all over with." And then mm-hmm. you go, that's going back to the buy once, cry once thing. But you know, it. it but it's like buying two radios. So if you got the guy coming in with a budget and he's like, you know, I got a hundred and I've got two hundred dollars to spend, and that includes my mobile antenna. You know, I'm gonna say, and this is kind of funny coming from me because I'm a really diehard Kenwood fan. Not because I think they're so much better than everyone else. It's just what I have, and I like redundancy. Okay, so I've got two recommendations. My first is probably going to be the Yaesu FT1900. Uh, before I got my license back in 97, 98, I had purchased some gear, uh, but I never got licensed. And one of the rigs that I purchased was a FT-1802, I think it was, which has been replaced by the 1900 now. It is, it's so simple to operate. Oh, man. I mean, it's like, you know how easy a CB radio is to program, to use? The, the 1900 is in the same fashion as that. It's just... I mean, it's all right there. It's got a squelch knob, and you can... Which leads me to my next point. The other recommendation is the Kenwood TM281. Now, the reason I like it a little bit better than the Yaesu, uh, I have one, but it has the speaker on the front. So when you mount it mobile, the speaker is facing you instead of coming out the bottom or the top. And I drive a great big diesel truck and have five children that ride with me in my big diesel truck. So that is important for me. The the the, the caveats on the Kenwood radio, the and it's a Tango Mary 281, uh, the two caveats with it is that it doesn't have a ultra-low power setting. I think the Yaesu has three or four different power settings. The Kenwood has two. And the Kenwood does not have a squelch knob. It only, you can get to the squelch, but you have to go through the function key and then, you've got an up and down. So it doesn't have a, a static, and that may be the wrong term, a static squelch knob. Mm. But, but does that, does that one have, uh, can you, uh, does the front faceplate come off that? And nope, remote it, it? it doesn't need, neither of those do. They, so I think that's another consideration because yeah. like the, in, in my vehicles, I, I have to have a remote head. I can't fit a real radio body under the dash. So I think, you know, if you have a, a truck with enough room that that works, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of cars, it doesn't. No. So you really have to look at that remote head thing. And it, it, it's kind of funny because it, it seems that none of the manufacturers are making a single band radio with a removable face. I think they're really trying to drive the price point down. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. He's back. Yeah, I am. Although I just realized there I don't have. Yeah. I didn't have my microphone clipped to my shirt. You're, you're really back now. Jeremy, we're talking about single band radios. Um, what is your choice for a, a, a single band? You're a new guy. This is your shopping list. Single band radio. Hit us with it. Oh, you know, I've been sitting here listening to you guys talk feverishly trying to Google. <laughs> um, several of the guys I know in my club have these Kenwood mono band two meter radios that I think they do like 40 watts out, but the thing that is really remarkable about them is their receivers are absolutely rock solid with absolutely 
not susceptible to intermod at all because the receiver is built only to receive between 144 and 148. Mm. Um, the mixers are just, you know, they don't they don't get messed up by adjacent signals. I mean, they're just absolutely rock solid. And like I said, it's killing me that I can't find um, the model number. That's are you talking about the two eighty one? No, 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 no. no. This, radio, this radio is, yeah, it's it's about probably twenty years old, yeah, maybe that's fifteen a, years yeah. old. The TM two forty one, two forty one. I'm yeah, pulling this, it up. They, they, nope. they had a two meter four forty and one point two rig. Is it the two thirty one? I've got a two thirty one and a two sixty one. It's it's older than that. I'm looking huh. at this now. This this is still like that. Um, it's like the silver. We've got the silver buttons on oh. it. Seventy nine fifty. Seventy nine fifty. I, I like believe that. it is the seventy nine fifty, because um, I had like that radio. There's a, to- there's a tone board uh, available for it, but you only get three tones. Yep. Yeah, that. See, you're you're kind of at that point. You're sort of in this um, the point in history where uh, those are kind of the older <laughs> radios that are really lacking some of the features that you might want. Uh, now, if you're going to park it on your favorite repeater and leave it there, then that's fine. But not having the programmable PL is really kind of a big disadvantage. So, Jeremy, if you were going to go go to mtcradio.com and, and purchase a new rig for a single-band VHF radio, what do you think you'd buy? Oh, if I were going to buy a new one, um, absolutely the Kenwood uh, 281. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, since since you're back with us here, we're gonna we're gonna go from single band now to dual band mobile radios that can be used as a base station as well. Jeremy, you are a new guy. You you're building a shopping list. Give me the two choices you would make uh, for one. You know, to to I'd buy this one or that one. That your two two top choices for a, a dual band uh, mobile radio. So. Just looking at new gear, um, for me, you know, I, I went through this exact decision way back in the day, and for me, it comes down to that there are two options that are that are viable, and I think this is ignoring D Star and Yesu's new uh, System Fusion Digital Mode. I mean, this is just purely FM. Yep. Um, two meter four forty. Um, I would. Um, the two radios I would look at are the Yaesu FT8800 and the Kenwood TM71A. And honestly, both radios are more or less the same feature set. They have a ton of memories. They can scan. Um, they're computer programmable. And, uh, you know, I, I owned the 8800. was my first ever mobile. I actually sold it um, to a good friend of mine. And... I, I was moving into higher end mobiles like the like the Kenwood 710 that has the the TNC and the APRS capabilities and the ASU FTM 350. But um, I actually still own a TM 71, and it's probably the slightly better value because one of the cool features is if you buy that radio and it's your basic um, you know two meter 440 radio, it has a crossband repeat capability. So you could park your truck at the top of the mountain and have it listening on 440 and retransmit on two meter or vice versa. Um, also, its its crossband repeat is the only one I think that actually does the IDing properly, if I remember correctly. But 
what's cool about that radio is if if you get further into it and you decide, man, I really wish I had bought the TM uh, seventy one or seven ten. You can actually buy the TNC control head from the seven ten. It's called the RC seven ten, and while they are a little rare, they sell for about three hundred bucks, and you literally just plug it into the RF deck of the seventy one A, and boom, you're upgraded. You you now have a full featured uh, seven ten. Cool. George, what would you buy? Uh, well, by the way, I didn't know that. I didn't know you could plug in the control. I wondered what that control head was for. Um, now I know. Well, actually, and well, sorry, I know this is off topic, but that control head you can also plug into any other radio that has a packet port. I uh, One of the guys in my club has one plugged into the back of his ICOM 2820. No kidding. Well, that's interesting. That's I, so for, for me, uh, I... I have or have had in the past Icom Yesus and Kenwoods and tried quite a few. Uh, personally, I would go with the uh, TMV71 uh, for the basic dual band radio. Uh, that's the one I put in my go kit. Uh, the fancier radio, I'd get the 710. I, I'm a, I've, I've tried all the different vendors' uh, mobile radios, and I keep coming back to Kenwood for VHF, UHF, and the, and the reason is really simple. Their user interface, in my mind, is the easiest. Uh, it's the easiest menu system to navigate, and I think the uh, the displays are really nice, especially the 710. The 710 has got a large display. You can, you can have both the frequency and the alphanumeric tag for that channel displayed at the same time. Uh, even, even if you don't do APRS, I, I used that radio for many, many years in the car, before I ever even turned on the APRS feature, I just wanted the big display, and I really like the menu system. So, uh, for me, I would I would stick with the Kenwood radios. I mean, they're all good. Honestly, we're 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 talking percentages here. Um, I think if you just someone gave you the fancy ICOM or the fancy Yesu, you'd be perfectly happy. Uh, but uh, for me, I, I like the UI of the Kenwoods. I'm a Kenwood guy. I said that while ago. Uh, I've got a 707 mobile in my truck it's a detached face early it's a dual band radio with a single frequency on the display so there's no there's no dual vfos um i'm gonna say if i had the money to to purchase a dual band radio today mobile i would uh, as well go with the kenwood tmv 71a um and my second choice would be the the yesu 8800 and there's a competitive thought there um budget-minded thinking here is the fact that a lot of times you will find the 8800 with the mobile remote mounting kit, which means that you get the face removed from the radio and you can mount it easier wherever you want to on the dash or whatnot. And the the brain's under the seat. Go go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, Sorry, I was agreeing. That's that's a good point because, yeah, while you can remote mount the the Kenwood TM-71, um, or V71, you have to pay extra to get the remote mounting kit, whereas the Kenwood or the Yesu usually comes with it. Now, one other thing I do want to bring up, and this is this just has happened. Um, ICOM has released the IC2730A, which is a competitor um, to both the 8800 and the 71. It's it's a two meter 440 radio, detachable head with a nice big bright display. Um, but the thing that they're kind of doing. It's different than these other radios, and this radio has literally just gone on sale, I think, like last Friday. Yeah. There's a Bluetooth option 
Um, so there's a Bluetooth board that goes into the radio that allows you to use a headset. And this is something the Yaesu played around with um, in the FTM 350 and their FTM 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's that's something that they're trying to offer as a as a differentiator from you know their other competitors. Because let's face it, the other thing is too the 8800 and the 71. Those designs are what almost or over 10 years old each. Yeah, yeah, and and you're right. The the new the new Icom just posted on the MTC page the other day, and I think they've got it for like 399, which is only maybe 40 or 50. I think it was 399. Uh, that that's not that much more than what you can get the the TMV seventy one for, and it's a great deal at what three fifty three sixty. So, um, and and quite honestly, I am addicted to my Bluetooth thing. Really, it, it it's ruined me to using the telephone. So, all right. So we we've talked about HTs. We've talked about uh, single band mobile radios we've talked about dual band mobile radios you know one that we didn't none of us mentioned at all was the 7900 from yesu which is a nice dual band remote remote face but you don't get the cross band repeat and i think if you're going to spend the money go ahead and spend the difference to get the cross band repeat if it's me well and but in all fairness about that too this is this is one of those things that it took me a long time to get my head around we say dual band radio that that's actually not what we mean. The, the FT60 is a dual band radio. The 7900 is a dual band radio, but it's not a dual receive radio. It's go. not capable of receiving two signals at the same time. Whereas the 8800 and the 71 that we've talked about, those radios are capable of receiving um, those you know two two signals, whether it's VHF, VHF, UHF, UHF, or VHF, UHF, simultaneously. And and Kale, you're right. The 7900 is actually probably one of the better values in radio it's it's the I, you know i always call it it's the mobile companion to the ft60 um yeah. even though it's only one receive at a time but it is also a, a great little radio you know and 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 we all know about kill in the the finances and how you know i'm the budget-minded guy and when i look at a lot of discussion about these chinese mobile radios they're they're 289 they're 299 dollars a piece and, and people are just chewing them up uh because they're saving 40 or 50 dollars when it comes to this purchase here i think that if you want to spend 35 dollars on a walkie-talkie that's okay if that's the best you want to do but when you come to this and you're already going to spend 300 dollars the additional 50 bucks is worth waiting if it takes you $25 a week or $12 a week for a month to get there to, to get, go ahead and purchase from the big three here. I think in, in Kel's personal opinion, if you're going to buy a dual band radio, dual VFO, removable face, buy from the big three. And, and I'm just going to leave that right there. You guys got any comments on that? You know, we, I have a friend who just bought one of the Oshan mobile radios. I think it was a like 280, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves it. He thinks it's great. Um, and if it's if it's anywhere as good as my Oshan HT, I, I'm sure he'll be very happy with it. Personally, um, I, those radios um, have some user interface quirks, and for not that much more money, I'd rather get the Kenwood. I just uh, I really enjoy those radios. So for me, that's kind of an easy decision. I think on the HT, it's a little bit harder because spending 50 to $100 versus three to $500, now yeah, there's a 10x price difference. Mm. And that co- gives you some pause. I mean, if yeah. it, really, you know, you got you to gotta practice your 
excuses a little bit better with that purchase. <laughs> Whereas with the mobile radio, it's much closer. I don't know. Hearing, from, hearing you guys talk about all your radios, man, I mean, you guys have – you need to stop participating in this podcast to start your own how to talk your wife into letting you buy anything you want or something. <laughs> you guys have got it figured out. I've been doing this for 17, 18 years, and I'm still trying to figure that one out. You guys have got me beat, man. All right, so we've kind of we've kind of covered a lot here, and um, I, I, sometimes our episodes are very easily digested. Others, you got to kind of maybe listen to them again, and this may be one of those that you want to listen to again because just because we're on the podcast. Uh, and and we are amateur operators, and we have been for uh, George has been licensed for quite a long time. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make us the experts. Everything that we talk about is our opinions, and is things that worked for us, and things that hasn't worked for us. Uh, we're going to go back to your local club again, even regarding this subject. Uh, you know, your local club will help you determine what's going to work best for where you're at locally. See, where George is at, they're all on UHF. Where Kel is at, we're VHF guys. And don't even mention anything like D-Star around here. Are you kidding? So, you know, it, 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 everybody has something different, need, different needs. And that's what we've tried to cover today in this episode to share with you just some of our opinions regarding some of your possible needs. Jeremy, you got anything to add anything like that? You know, I have a very strong opinion on an HF radio. Are we going to get to HF radios? That could be a whole nother episode, I think. Oh, oh yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Let, let's <laughs> let, go back, go back to uh, HT's uh, dual band, dual VFO radios. Um, one thing I guess I will say, um, I personally am very heavily invested in D star at this point, And it's because, in the National Capital Region, uh, the Alexandria Radio Club, which is uh, the club I'm a member of, was one of the first really to adopt in this. And we had a member who invested in the entire D-Star stack. So what that means is that our club has four D-Star repeaters, one for 2 meter, one for 440, one for 1 1.2 gigabyte digital voice, and 1.2, sorry, gigabyte, it's late, uh, 1.2 gigahertz digital voice. 1.2 uh, gigahertz digital data. And at the 1.2 gig link, um, the bandwidth is actually quite wide. It's You get 128 kilobits um, both directions as long as you're the only one trying to use the resource. Um, and they have that connected to the internet. But the the ability to pick up my radio, put in a call sign, and try to get a hold of my friend, um, you know, my friend Cameron, who... Uh, was K6CLM, and I actually, uh, shame on me, I haven't talked to him on the radio so long, I don't remember what his new, he's got a new uh, one-by call sign, and it's like K3CM or something. Um, but I can enter his call sign, and I can key up, and I know that I don't have to know where he is, that the network will find him and make sure that my audio packets come out on the repeater that he can hear, or the one that he last, you know, marked up on. And I think... Um, it took me a long time to even understand what this digital communication technology stuff was about. And that, that's something else I think we could probably do another whole show on and probably should, really. Um, but like I said, it, ultimately, if you live in an area that has either D-Star or now that the, the Yaesu System Fusion is coming online, I think it's worth at least looking at it. Like I said, where I live, it makes perfect sense because I can... 
our network reaches, you know, all the way from um, Richmond, Virginia, all the way up into parts north into Pennsylvania. Um, you know, and and a lot of repeaters are linked to the the same, uh, you know, reflectors and whatnot, and, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, I've been able to build D Star hotspots, which allow me like their little micro mono um, mono or, or simplex repeaters and whatnot, and it's been a lot of fun to play with as a technology, and that's mainly because most of it is open source. Um, but at the end of the day, what I would say is that. Whatever your means are or your personality is, just get on the air. Um, you know, whether that's a, a 1650, um, you know, uh, as, as Dave Jones would say, one hung low uh, Chinese radio special. Or if you're going out and you're spending $600 on an ICOM ID 51, you know, special 50th anniversary edition. Just get on the air. Have fun. Very good. Point well taken. What do you say, George? Well, the whole digital thing is pretty interesting. We talked a bit about that in the repeater podcast. Um, out here, we're <clears throat> we're running four analog repeaters uh, and one D-Star repeater and one C4FM repeater. So we've kind of dipped our toe into several of these things, um, and, and I think it is worthy of its own separate discussion. Um but but they're all they're all interesting. They all have their own interesting capabilities and features, and uh, none of them are perfect. I mean, every everything has pros and cons. And I think you know, spending the time to actually get in and try it is is you know half the fun is just trying out the different modes and seeing what they could do. Um, so yeah, I would definitely explore those. Um, I th- I find it very interesting that um, that D Star is being um, Promoted very heavily for MCOM applications, where in some ways it's uh, it's got some great features for that, but it's also more complicated uh, to configure in the field. So you know, in the fog of an emergency, uh, that that may be kind of a the minus side of it. So uh, there's definitely trade-offs to all these things, but uh, but they're a lot of fun to play around with. And it goes back to knowing what or finding out, determining what your local area looks like regarding radio service and i mean what good would it do me to purchase a a d-star radio here when i can't get them to even consider anything like that so know what's going on know your local area that you operate in and like jeremy said just get on the air we're not we're not going to bite you of course, I'm kind of hard through the mic, but you know, a lot of people, you know, they get their license, they're scared, scared to death to talk. I couldn't imagine. Of course, I talk all the time, but you know, it's um, it's funny to think about people go through the effort and then they're afraid to key the microphone. So if you're listening, you're licensed, or you're going to be licensed, key the microphone, put your call out there, do a radio check, do a new licensee check, new technician check, and enjoy the service. I think you'll have a lot of fun. Guys, thank you for participating with us again on the Photon Podcast. Thank you. Anytime. You bet. Happy New Year. So, yeah, I really didn't do much editing to that, as you could probably tell there, but it was still a lot of fun to listen to, I think, and I hope you guys got something out of it. If you've got opinions, you've got questions, any kind of stuff like that, you can put it right on the website. You can go to amateurradio15.com or it's photime.com. Both of those will get you to the same place. 
you go in and uh, you just leave a comment there. If you'd like to comment on the show, if you'd like to offer some opinions, we would love to hear from you. The email address is listed on there, the contact links, Facebook, Twitter, all of that stuff. Just recently kind of updated the website a little bit. So you can contact me uh, a little easier, maybe through Facebook, Twitter, whatnot. We've got the uh, the show sponsor, Main Trading Company, listed up there on the top. We've still got the email subscription button. And, of course, we've got the affiliate store, which helps pay the bills, the donate button. All those things are on the website, AmateurRadio15.com. And speaking of Twitter, i got some new followers, and I'm just going to call you out real quick. Whiskey 5, Mary, Romeo, Mary, Whiskey Alpha 8, Yankee Charlie Delta, Kilo Golf 6, November, Foxtrot Sierra, Kilo, Kilo 7, X-Ray, X-Ray, Kilo 5, Tux, T-U-X, that's a nice call, Kilo Delta Zero, Quebec, Yankee, Romeo. Thank you all for your follows. Thanks for all the friends that came and liked the page on Facebook just in the last couple of days. Appreciate you checking us out online. Most importantly, appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here on the Photon Podcast. We're going to keep going. We have got a load of stuff in the queue. I cannot wait to share some of the stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun springtime into the summer. We're getting ready for field day, getting ready for Dayton. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the other Ham Radio Podcast 73. Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Bowtime, the other Ham Radio Podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bowtime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s.